James chapter 2. James chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 1 through 13. Uh, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with, with respect of persons? For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou here, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the rich, or excuse me, the poor of this world, in faith the heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you? And draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name of or the worthy name by which ye are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye ever respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall judge, excuse me, for he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the weather, and uh, Lord, just your goodness in our lives, and And I pray, Father, that you just bless this morning. We ask for your blessing on the Sunday school hour. We pray for each teacher that you'd fill them with the Spirit, Lord, and that you'd give them uh, words from on high and that you'd be glorified in all of it. And I pray that our church would grow through the Sunday school ministry, Lord, that each one would be conformed more to the image of Christ through the teaching of your word. We'll give you the glory for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about the sin of favoritism. And uh, there are a few things in our Bible, well, probably a lot of things in our Bible, that the Lord is very clear on. And in this book of James, uh, it's very simple. If you do it, you commit sin. Um, And uh, this passage gives us the exhortation here in verse 1, to have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect of persons. Uh, However, as humans... Uh, even as Christians, uh, obviously we know James is addressing the brethren here. He says uh, he understands that it's not natural. Uh, we are naturally inclined to be partial, um, to make judgments of people based on their appearance. Uh, and we need to be very careful about that. We tend to rank people uh, based on their looks, uh, maybe the kind of clothes that they're wearing. Uh, by their race, uh, maybe their social status as we see it, uh, their wealth, their intelligence. There's a lot of different things that oftentimes we uh, tend to prefer certain individuals over others, Uh, maybe just their occupation. Boy, sometimes when you hear uh, somebody say, well, that person is so-and-so. This is is Colonel so-and-so. He's the wing commander. He's a big deal. Uh, sure, he's in a position of authority, and we need to respect that. The Bible teaches us that. Uh, but the reality is, as a person, 
uh, with a soul, uh, it's a level playing field. And we need to be careful because when those types of individuals, if we have dignitaries or maybe elected officials come to our churches at times, uh, oftentimes we tend to make a bigger deal about that than the average person that we've never met. Uh, and we need to be careful uh, because the reality is oftentimes those elected officials, and it's in here, that those are the ones that are pressing us, persecuting us uh, for being Christians. Um, and so this morning... We're just going to talk a little bit about the sin of favoritism. So the word there uh, in the first verse, uh, or the words respect of person, is a pretty long Greek word that I'm not very sure how to pronounce. Uh, Prosopolepsia, something to that thick. It means partiality, favoritism, or respect of persons is what that means. And so uh, the sin of favoritism. Proverbs 14.20 says this, the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich have many friends. Uh, oftentimes, we show favoritism or we're partial or we respect certain individuals, uh, usually because we believe it's possibly because they can do something for us. And it, it really comes down to selfishness in a lot of cases. Uh, we want to be friends with certain individuals. Um, I know there was a period of time in my life where I had more friends and then when my circumstances changed, I didn't seem to have as many uh, because those other ones were just around because I had some things. I had some means. And uh, we need to be careful. Oftentimes we judge people purely on superficial things. Uh, like I said, their appearance, uh, and, and we really don't consider the true merits of their character. And we know according to 1 Samuel chapter 6 and 17, or chapter 16, verse 7, uh, when God was choosing the king, uh, that everyone expected the certain son to be anointed. But God said, listen, don't look at the countenance. I'm not concerned with those things. Uh, I'm concerned with the heart. Um, and so we need to be very careful not to judge somebody on the initial appearance uh, when we see them. And I would say that's especially true in the house of God. But I'm afraid it happens. Uh, I'll admit that I've done it. Um, when somebody comes in that obviously is, is uh, of lower means, um, and maybe they're not dressed well, maybe they don't smell well even, um, it, sometimes it's hard to befriend them and, and to get to know them and uh, but the reality is that person we need to show the love of Christ to just as much or even more than the person that's easy to befriend or, or to put our arm around. Um, Christ took a lot of uh, criticism because of the people that he fellowshiped with because he was trying to reach them. And uh, <clears throat> so we see the illustration that, that James gives us here in verses 2 through 4. Uh, he uses that example of uh, somebody coming into the assembly. And he asks us, how do you treat those who come in uh, to the assembly? Uh, how do you treat the rich man who is dressed in goodly apparel? How do you treat the poor man dressed in filthy raiment? Uh, perhaps there are not many seats in the assembly. And uh, kind of looking at these verses, it says, behold, oh, that's chapter 5, sorry. Chapter 2. In verses 2 through 4, for there, if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring 
in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou here, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? And and I, I couldn't help but think that oftentimes some people that are maybe considered outcasts, and we're content if they just come in and kind of find a back seat. Uh, but if we have somebody of that we consider important or somebody notable, uh, we don't have a problem with them coming to the front row and, and walking down and, oh, look who's with us today. The Summerdorf's on the second row this morning. What a blessing. <laughs> and uh, I'm not super familiar with the church settings at the time. I know in the New Testament times they were meeting in homes and, and things, but they also did, they didn't meet in the temples and things. Um, and so I don't, I'm not 100% certain of the seating circumstances all the time, but I do know that uh, James addresses that there were seats that were more notable, and then they were at times offered to just say, hey, why don't you just stand in the back? Why don't you just stand right over here, out of the way? Or you know what, I got this extra footstool, you can have a seat on that thing, or maybe you can just sit on the floor, because you're not of our level. Um, and what a horrible thought when we know that our Savior died for that individual. And it goes against really the character of God to treat people like that. Um, so in those churches, and, and we know in Matthew chapter 23 when uh, Jesus is dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees, and it says that they love the uppermost rooms at feasts and it says the chief seats in the synagogues. So in, in the churches of the day, in the New Testament here that we look at, we know that there was some separation of what was considered a chief seat versus just the average guy's seat, I would say. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't see that so much in our uh, modern day churches. You know, we, it's just one auditorium, right? I can sit on the front row, I can sit on the back row, and there's not a lot of... Uh, judgment on where we sit necessarily. But I do know, and I've seen it, where people don't feel welcomed and accepted to sit in certain places. They might feel odd because they're walking in front of people. And some of that is, is a, a natural thing. Maybe they're a little embarrassed just in general. Uh, but the reality is we need to be careful that we don't make it easy for them to funnel into the back corner. Uh, we need to have a welcoming spirit. Do they feel welcomed? Uh, do they feel like they're, uh, that we want them here, that we love them and we, we desire to minister to them? And listen, we desire to fellowship with them Amen. and to become their friend. Or are we content just to let them go back there and just, eh, we won't even shake hands with them, won't even talk to them? Uh, are you partial? Do you show favoritism in our assembly? Do you greet everyone or just the ones that look okay? Right. The reality is you should make the effort to seek out the ones that aren't. That's right. yeah. uh, because everyone else is going to get enough love anyway because in our human nature, we're just going to respond that way. But listen this morning, let's make the extra effort to show those that come in here that we love them. 
We didn't deserve Christ. Moving on, verse 5. The explanation. We're going to look at a few reasons why respect of persons or partiality or favoritism, as I, I titled the lesson this morning, are wrong. James writes this in verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren. He wants to think, think this through. Listen up here, folks. So what's the theological reason why we ought not show respect of persons? And, and I mentioned this earlier. It's inconsistent with God's character. Verse 5. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? Uh, God loves the poor. Uh, the same as the rich. Uh, no different. He doesn't love somebody more because of their wealth or because of their stature. Uh, God's not impressed with any of that. It, it, it's crazy to think that in, <coughs> excuse me, in our human natures, Sometimes we get that idea that God prefers a certain level of person or a stature of people. And it couldn't be further from the truth. He's not impressed with your intelligence. Um, we have a, a major. He's our, our flight commander. The guy, I, I think he's a genius. His capacity uh, to just digest information and to lead and stuff, it's just it's unparalleled. And I've literally in my career, I've never seen somebody... He's going to go a long way. His, actually, I worked for his dad. His dad was a full bird colonel. He was our mission support group commander when I was stationed in Washington. And uh, so he's got some good pedigree, I guess you could say. But um, <clears throat> you, we would go to meetings, and we have all list of all these things. And he would just sit there, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, okay. And he would go away and do his officer thing and come back, and things were solved and resolved. It's amazing. Uh, God's not impressed. God created all of it. And so for anyone to think that somebody's uh, social status, somebody's wealth, or their intelligence is going to impress God, they're sorely mistaken. Uh, God loves the, the most unintelligent, the poorest, just like he does the other. Uh, he doesn't put a difference in them. Uh, how dare we? Do such a thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 29 says this, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. <clears throat> but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Uh, listen, God's not impressed with any of it. Uh, he wants, we're not going to take any glory. Uh, and, and he oftentimes operates in such a manner as we see here in 1 Corinthians, just to solidify the fact that nothing's going to glory. He's going to get all the glory. And... and um, God is not partial. Romans 2.11 says this, for there is no respect of persons with God. It's pretty simple. Uh, he's not a respecter of persons. Jesus is not partial either. We see that in his teachings in the New Testament. <coughs> in Luke, he's talking about uh, John the Baptist there. Uh, Luke chapter 2 in, in verses really 1 down through 10 or so. 
Um, and he comes from humble beginnings himself. Our Savior, uh, the Messiah. He was born into just really humble beginnings. You know, the stable, the manger. Um, he grew up in Galilee. And that was a, a place of poor reputation among the Jews of the day. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 45 through 46 uh, Nathaniel there says that can any good thing come out of Nazareth? They're kind of like, what are you saying here? Uh, there's nothing good out of there. And he ministered <clears throat> to all with no partiality. Uh, Luke 7:34, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. He was accused of some things uh, because he was ministering to those uh, that typically. Uh, the religious elite of the day would avoid. Uh, he wasn't partial in his ministry, in his efforts. Uh, he preached impartiality. Uh, listen, even his enemies understood this. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 16. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians. This is the Pharisees. They sent them out. The, 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 so these are the disciples of the Pharisees with the Herodians saying, Master... We know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Mark chapter 12 and verse 14 says this, And when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. And that's when the, the scribes and, and the chief priests were there, uh, accusing him of these things. And so uh, he was known in his ministry to not be a respecter of persons. He was willing to minister to all. Uh, and the reality is he was pretty harsh on, uh, on the elitists of the day uh, because they should have known better. And, and the re listen, I I've said this, but he died for all, all, everybody. He died impartially for the world. For all. Romans 5, 6 and 8. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was impartial in his sacrifice for our sins. He didn't die for the rich. He didn't die for the poor. He died for all. That's our Savior. And we know that God looks at our heart. And I, and I mentioned the first Samuel, uh, chapter 16 and verse 7. But the Lord saith unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh on the heart. Be careful where you're looking. God calls people to himself without partiality. Matthew 22, go ye therefore into the highways and hedges as many as ye see, find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And in a parallel passage in Luke, uh, chapter 14, 21 through 23, it talks about the poor and the maimed, the halt and the blind being invited. He wasn't looking for the best of the best like we often do. 
He loved them all the same. All were welcome. Can we say that of our attitude toward people? It's a challenge. I know last week I kind of, in a similar context, I, I was teaching on some of these things. And, and Lord help me, we, we needed fuel. And so we go to the yes way uh, in the lesser parts of Box Elder, if you will. And uh, so I get there and, and there's a guy out front and he's looking for some money, needs a ride or something. And I truly didn't have what he was asking for. But we went in, we made a transaction. I think we had to get a drink for Carter because his sugar was going low. And, and we come out, and lo and behold, in my hand is what he's asking for, some change. And after I had taught that lesson last week, I, the Lord said, hey, are you going to be faithful to uh, share with those people? Uh, and the guy was obnoxious. He was just, he wasn't acting obnoxious, but his, just that, that type of action is obnoxious to me. And it was convicting because the Lord loves him. And, and I helped him out and, and, and kind of helped. I, I could And then, in full disclosure, I gave him what he had asked for and then he was wanting more. And that almost set me over the top. But anyway. <laughs> um, but the Lord convicted me because Christ died for him and loves him. And all I could think of is, what would the Lord do here? We weren't, it was an unplanned stop for us. And how many unplanned interactions did our Savior have with people? And he took of his time and he invested into meeting their need and to sharing the gospel with them. And here I am. I just want to give the guy money so I can soothe my conscience and press on. Right after I taught the lesson. Lord, help me. But the reality is, if we're not careful, we'll be partial. And certain types of people, and listen, they don't even have to be the people that are of lower means and, and people that are down and out. But listen, there's people that I work with that drive me insane. I don't even want to be in the same room as them. Lord, help me. Right? But listen, we need to be careful that we're not showing favoritism or partiality to people because they're easy to get along with. Our Savior took the time for everyone that he came in contact with to meet their need, physical and spiritual. How dare we, as his ambassadors, do anything different? Then love them where they're at. And that doesn't mean we can pull them all out, right? But we need to do our part as the Lord leads us. And he gives us opportunity, and we need to be faithful to do that. Sorry, I'm off my notes. The Lord calls all people to, to himself without partiality. Galatians 3.28 says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And, and listen, if we could just reach these people for Christ... So the logical reason... Uh, being partial or showing favoritism or respect of persons ignores the universality of sin. Look at verses 6 and 7. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not, do not they blaspheme the worthy name uh, by which ye are called? Uh, listen, a, 
a person's appearance does not reflect their goodness. Uh, and, and it surely, uh, their success does not reflect their righteousness. Uh, Psalm 73 uh, talks about the prosperity of the wicked, being envious of it. And I think sometimes we look at the prosperity of the lost at times and we equate that to some righteousness somehow uh, in, in our human minds. Uh, but it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, Jeremiah 12.1 says this, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, and he says, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? And he's just kind of like, Lord, what's going on here? How can the wicked be prosperous and, and happy? Uh, and, and so listen, don't ever get confused. And always remind yourself that the end of their way is destruction. And just because somebody might be doing well, they might look sharp, uh, it's not an indication of their spirituality and whether they have Christ or not. Uh, but if we're not careful, um, I'll meddle a little bit. When we see that drunk guy at the yes way, we automatically think this guy needs Christ. Look at him, pitiful. Do we think that when the lawyer comes to the church door to visit. I'm afraid we don't. Because they are a functioning, highly contributing member of society. And so in our minds, we think differently when we see that versus the other person. God help us. That lawyer or that wealthy person needs Christ Maybe more than this guy. And I don't say maybe more. We all need Christ. But what I'm saying is he might be, the Lord might be working on him in a different capacity. And he might be closer to salvation than that guy. But how many opportunities do we pass up because we think people are doing okay? And they've never heard the gospel one time. This guy's probably heard it a dozen times because people always are like, man, this guy needs the, needs the Lord. Here's a track, brother. Or not brother, but here's a track, sir. He probably gets more witnessing than the lawyer because of our attitude and how we're respecter of persons. Lord, help us. Just logically, it doesn't make sense to be a respecter of persons. And I may mention this earlier, the rich and powerful are often those that persecute Christians. James tells us that here, uh, calling us before judgments and, and they're blaspheming our God. And, and uh, But look, Look at the biblical reason uh, to not be a respecter of persons. It's incompatible with Scripture. Verses 8 and 9, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. When we do that, when we prefer one over another, when we show favoritism or partiality, it's sin. It's that simple. Uh, there's no sugarcoating it. Uh, there's no way to try to dance around it. 
James in, in our Lord here in the Word of God says it's sin. Uh, it's unbiblical to do such a thing. Proverbs 24, 23 tells us it's not good. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. To uh, Proverbs 28, 21, to have respect of persons is not good. For for a piece of bread, the man will transgress. Boy, for over the littlest thing, it'll happen again. Uh, the word of God teaches us that we're to have the care for one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Uh, there shouldn't be any skin in the, body, in the body, but it says, but that the members should have the same care one for another. We're to have the same mind, Romans chapter 12 tells us in verse 16. It says, but to condemn to low of state, be not wise in your own conceits. Be of the same mind one toward another. Romans 15, verses 5 through 7. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God even as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. But we ought to be receiving others as Christ received us. And remember what we said, he died for the ungodly. While we were undone, while we were yet in our sins. Uh, what a challenge. <clears throat> we are to have the same love for one another. Philippians 2.2, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minding, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. <clears throat> Verse 12 and 13, so speak ye and so do as they shall uh, be judged by the law of liberty for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So what's the application today? So understanding all this, how do we make application of God's word in our life? How do we change our fleshly tendency to be partial? Because it's there. Um, this morning I'm going to let Scripture be our standard. In verse 12, it talks about speak ye, and so they shall be judged by the law of liberty. Allow God's word to set the standard in your life. Not your heritage, uh, not your experiences, not what society says, but allow the scripture to set the standard. Uh, our nation's in a mess over this kind of stuff today. Whether it's race, uh, gender, uh, you name it. There, there's all these different things where we're preferring and, and showing favoritism. Uh, but the Word of God clearly says we ought not. And so allow God's Word to be the example. And I'm going to remind you of some things quickly. Acts chapter 10, verses 28 through 35. It's kind of a long little section here, but, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says, and he said unto them, this is the example of Peter and Cornelius uh, when, the, when the Lord was working with, uh, with Peter on, on reaching the Gentiles. And he said unto them, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for man that is a Jew to keep company or to come into one <clears throat> of another nation. He says it's unlawful. Uh, who cares what society says? Uh, 
But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore, uh, what intent ye have sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at that ninth hour I prayed in mine house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and that alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee immediately. Therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are, <clears throat> excuse me, now therefore are we all present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The key phrase I want you to look at there is, but God hath showed me. We need to obey God and his word over anything else. Amen. Let God set the standard on, on, on these things in our lives. Uh, let love be the law. It talks about that law of liberty. And we saw the example of that last week with the Good Samaritan and, and how he gave of himself financially and of his time and emotionally. And he met the needs of the one that was uh, taking the thieves and beaten half dead. Uh, it was because of his compassion and the love that he had on him. Our actions ought to be guided by love. Uh, our love for God and our love for our neighbor. If we could just get those two things down... The Lord tells us everything else would fall in place. If we would love our God like we ought to, and if we would love our neighbors like ourselves, we would never skip meeting our own personal needs, right? So if we would just have that same attitude when we see our neighbor, we would extend ourselves in whatever uh, means possible to meet their needs and let mercy be our attitude. Our conduct should be worthy of the gospel. Do you show mercy uh, in, in your day-to-day -day efforts? We need to put on tender mercies, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Colossians 3, 10 and 14 says this, And I've put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all. And in all, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. God, help us not to be a respecter of persons. As Christians, we should show no favoritism, just as our Lord shows no respect of persons. And if we do this, it will stand out in our society today. Uh, if we love, if in love we truly demonstrate the character of our Lord, it will go noticed. People will notice. We will be different if we would just be no respecter of persons.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this lesson. I pray, Lord, that we would truly show no favoritism. Lord, the word is clear that it's sin if we do. I pray that you'd help us not to be a respecter of persons, but that we would love each one just as you do. Lord, a love that sent you to the cross. Lord, help us to be tenderhearted and full of mercy toward others. Now we pray for your blessing on the hour to come. We ask that you bless the worship service, Lord, and the singing and the preaching. And Lord, that you be glorified in all of it. And we ask you to do a work in our hearts. Change us to be more like Christ. We'll give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen.